we begin to worship God tonight, Lord, you alone are worthy of all that we have to give you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, for your favor and your blessings upon this service. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to be taking my text tonight from Hebrews 4, 13 and Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 4. And while you guys go ahead and get there, I want to take a few moments to give honor where honor is due. I am so thankful for the establishment that Urshan is for every leader and for Brother McClintock and Brother Jones for this opportunity. Hebrews 4.13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Ecclesiastes 9 and 4 says, But for him who is joined to all the living there is hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. And I want us to take a moment and pray, but I'm going to speak to you guys tonight on the topic, a living dog is better than a dead lion. Father, we are so thankful, Jesus, for the opportunity to come into your presence tonight, oh God. I pray that your blessings will be poured out upon this service and upon every individual, Jesus. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. Jesus, let your spirit dwell with us tonight, oh God. For you are holy and you are worthy. God, you are a righteous and loving Father. Thank you, Jesus. And you guys can find your seats. See, the author of Ecclesiastes in chapter 9 holds this focus on the contrast between the living and the dead, making the point that regardless of fame and status, those with life will always be better off than those who are dead. In verse 4, the author utters a severe and sarcastic warning, saying that even a living dog is better than a dead lion. See, dogs back then were not the fun family pets that we know them as today, but dogs in the Bible were used in a very specific metaphorical sense. They were described as scavengers, feeding on the decaying and dead flesh of dead animals, and sometimes even dead humans. See, they were symbols of gluttony, the personification of filthy habits such as a dog returning to their own vomit. You see, these were filthy, despised, dangerous creatures. They were societal outcasts. They weren't accepted. They were looked down on. They didn't have it all together, but they did have one thing, life. And then we are presented in stark contrast with a lion King of the beasts, often used to symbolize power, beauty, strength, and prowess. And even Jesus himself is compared to this creature as the roaring and mighty lion of Judah. See, this was a creature that commanded respect. It looked good, and it sounded good, but the author tells us that it was lacking one thing, life. You see, life in scripture is often associated with the idea of breath. In Genesis, over and over again, we see this idea of the breath of life. But even beyond the idea of life and breath, it is associated with the spirit. In ancient Greco-Roman culture, the basic meaning of spirit was what gives life to the body. See, it was, it was representative of the inner life of man. And so we have this contrast between the living and the dead, between man's inward parts and their outward 
profession. And the words of Hebrews 4 echoes, all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You see, the inward parts of your life are not hidden from God. Your relationship with the Spirit is not hidden from God. Luke 8, 17 says, For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. See, it matters if you have life in the inward parts. It matters whether you are spiritually living or spiritually dead. And today I survey a crowd of preachers and ministers, and I want you to know that it matters if you have integrity. More than just the appearance of a lion, the talent and the oratory skills and the charisma, the extrovertedness, it matters how you live and what you do. We see a story that evidences this in 1 Samuel 16. See, Samuel is distraught that Israel has lost their king and God tells him to pull it together and go to Jesse's house to find him a replacement among his sons and so Jesse walks in and he sees the first son and he says oh look at his stature he's he's strong and he's he's powerful it's got to be it's got to be this guy and God says no Samuel that's not him and then he sees the second one and he says oh this guy he has he has such a voice such a way with words and and people listen to him when he talks he's a he's a born leader it's got to be him and God says no Samuel you've got it all wrong so you're focusing on the wrong things. And verse 7 is where the story focuses. And it's where God says, you know, man focuses on the outward parts. But Samuel, that's not what I'm looking at. See, I'm looking at the inward parts. And David is anointed king over Israel. Not because of his talent, but because of his character. And I want you to know today that God cares so much more about your obedience than he does your abilities. You see, a living dog indeed is better than a dead lion, but what would be better than both of these would be a living lion. So what kills lions? We're talking about an apex predator. This is something where nothing in its environment is naturally equipped to kill it. They're the strongest, the fastest, the best of the best. And doesn't that sound like an apostolic preacher? We are blood-bought and anointed, and we are God's chosen one, and we walk in authority and anointing and power, and we have God's spirit with us, and we are lions, right? So what kills lions? It's 1994 on the Serengeti, and the first thing she heard was the fast-paced sound of bare feet sprinting on dirt roads. Another dead lion had been discovered. You see, the reserve was facing an epidemic that took one-third of their lion population, and the researcher Melody Parker could not figure out why these lions were dying. It wouldn't come out until months later when they started doing tests on lions that appeared healthy that it was a virus. Lions that appeared healthy. Lions that were still preaching conferences and teaching Bible studies. Lions that had straight A's in Bible college and were still being seemingly fruitful. But you see, they had the appearance of life. They were operating as though they had life, but they had begun to let some things take root inside of them where no one could see. But the name of this virus was canine distemper virus. It originated when one of the lions got a little bit too close to a dog. 
You see, a living dog is better than a dead lion, but when a lion starts to internally take on the characteristics of a dog, when they start entertaining dead things, when they allow uncleanliness and unholiness, inconsistency, bitterness, resentment into their lives, it will start to kill them before they ever show symptoms. And you've got the appearance of a lion, but you lack life, and you lack the spirit. But more than that, this was a highly infectious virus. You see, these lions could begin to pass on this disease 60 days before any symptoms began to show. And when you begin to allow uncleanliness and bitterness and sin into your life, it will kill you, but it will also infect others. And I have seen people close to me, people that I love, infected and hurt by dying lions. I have seen hypocrisy and inconsistency, double-mindedness and false pretenses, a lack of life and a lack of the spirit cause people to stumble. And I know that each man is going to give his own account, but consider your brother and your sister. Consider your congregation. Consider your friends. Are those unclean things worth it? You see, you are an ambassador of Christ, and it doesn't matter what your calling is because you are called to walk worthy. And it doesn't matter whether you are behind a pulpit or outside of it. See, it doesn't matter how good of a speaker you are. It doesn't matter how well you can string words together. It doesn't matter how talented and gifted you are. And it doesn't matter if nobody else can see that something is wrong yet. See, you might still be getting opportunities even as you are dying and infecting others. You have the appearance of a lion, but you do not have life. And the musicians can begin to play. See, Psalm 139 says that darkness is like light to him. God knows your heart. God knows your inward parts where I can't see it. No one else can see it. But I don't say this to condemn you. Because Hebrews 4 goes on to say that we have a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses. And has paid the price for our shortcomings. And so I wonder if you all could stand, and I wonder if there is an apostolic minister here tonight that would begin to echo the words of Psalm 139 and say, search me, O God. Know my anxious thoughts, God. See if there be any wicked way in me, Lord. It doesn't matter how charismatic I am. It doesn't matter how talented I am. It doesn't matter if I can say the right words and if I, if I look the part and if people think highly of me, Lord. It doesn't matter if I feel like I don't have it all together and it doesn't matter if I feel like I'm not equipped yet. But God, if I have your spirit, Jesus, if your influence is on my life, Lord, if you will increase even as I decrease, Lord, your spirit is all that I need, God. I know that a living dog is better than a dead lion, but God, make me a living lion. 